Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 40. When I go on a Royal Caribbean cruise to the Eastern Caribbean, I really do look forward to a stop in St. Martin because of how much there is to see and do here. So this week, I'm going to discuss the things to do in St. Martin, my favorite spots, and share tips for touring this island paradise. We also have lots of your listener feedback to share, so here we go. This week's episode was actually inspired by one of our listeners, Garrett Keating, who wrote an email to me. And actually, we're going to read Garrett's email and answer some of his stuff later on in this episode. But Garrett wrote, thanks to the great blog and podcast, they both helped make the wait until our next cruise just a little bit easier. We're taking our next cruise in July, 82 days, for nine nights on Explore the Seas out of Cape Liberty, New Jersey, to Bermuda, St. Martin, San Juan, and Labadee. I'm at the point in cruise planning process where it's time to start thinking about and researching excursions. I'm not a fan of the planned excursions and tours because I find you usually get carted around from one tourist trap to the other, and when it's all said and done, you really didn't experience much of the places you're visiting. I know you mentioned a driver in St. Martin that you've used a few times and recommend. I'm on the fence about using him or doing the CNC tour SM94 instead. We aren't interested in going to the beach while in St. Martin, since we'll be doing most of that while we're in Bermuda. Is there enough non-beach things in St. Martin for us to see to make it worth our while? Would taking a private tour guide be able to show us some of the stuff the tourists don't usually find? And about how much does he charge for about three to four hours? So Garrett's email, I thought, brought up a lot of good ideas and questions. And, you know, I started thinking about it more and more. And I said, you know what? I really want to do an episode just about St. Martin because I really do love going here. I've been to St. Martin about three, four, maybe five times. I've honestly lost count of all the times I've been there. It's a great island. So first thing you have to understand is St. Martin is actually two islands in one. It's St. Martin, the Dutch side, and St. Martin, the French side. And if I could do better accents on both, I would pronounce it, but I don't. So take my word for it. Royal Caribbean will drop you off in the Dutch side of the island, which is actually the capital city, Philipsburg. So you get dropped off. There's actually a long pier, and you can walk to – there's a little mini village. But really, most people are leaving from that particular point and going elsewhere in the island. Now, St. Martin is one of these islands that it's not very large, much like many of the islands you're going to be encountering. But there's a lot to see and do here. There's a lot of beaches. It is a beautiful island. Now, the Dutch side is kind of on, if you're looking down at the map, you're on the southeast side of the island. And the French side is kind of like the northwest side. It's kind of divvied up in that regard, if that makes any kind of sense. What I like about it is they offer very different kind of experiences altogether, really. The Dutch side is really more about shopping and kind of experiencing the the city aspect of it. So you go to downtown Phillipsburg, you walk around, there's lots of boulevards, there's lots of shops. There are there's a beach, don't get me wrong. But I really feel like the appeal of Phillipsburg and the Dutch side in general is more about kind of a shopping and enjoying maybe what the island has to offer in terms of sightseeing than the French side, which is really more about I think two major things. One is the beach and the lesser extent kind of maybe a food shopping experience. But really, it's more – if you go to the – the better beaches are definitely on the French side, whereas on the Dutch side, you're seeing more of kind of, I think, just exploring downtown Phillipsburg. Now, the great other thing about the island is, I think, as an American at least, I find St. Martin to be fairly inexpensive. Not cheap like Mexico where, you know, it's like you can – your money really goes a long way. But I do feel like it's a better value here than, say – I don't know, New Jersey or something. <laughs> there's a there's a bit of a good value going on there. So when I first went to St. Martin, I would often visit just the Phillipsburg area, do a little shopping, and that was then considered a day. And you know what? I was doing myself a disservice because I wasn't really exploring a lot. In subsequent trips, we went to go do more on the island and see more. 
Now, while Garrett mentioned not going to the beach, I do feel it's important to talk in this podcast about going to the beach because St. Martin's beaches are among the most beautiful I've ever seen. In fact, I really, really enjoyed everything there is to do in St. Martin in terms of the beaches here. Orient Beach, which is on the French side of the island, is one of the most beautiful beaches I've ever seen in my life. I've been to many beaches in the Caribbean. I really feel like this is the best one I've been to, honestly. And the thing what I like about it is the beautiful watercolor, the beautiful condition of the beach itself. It's not rocky. It's not too weird or what shells or anything like that. It's nice, great colored sand, soft sand. And the beach itself, especially in the water, is not very rocky as well. Great swimming. Really enjoyed it. So going to the French side and going to Orient Beach is beautiful. I actually will put a link in our show notes to a beach that I went to. It was called Bikini Beach. Honestly, they're all fairly interchangeable in terms of what they offer. This one was great because they offered drinks and, and food and everything like that to waiter service to the beach. But there's a whole, I mean, when you get to that beach, you look up and down the beach, you're going to see there's a whole lot of other operations going on there. I really enjoyed it. So great choice there. Now, if you're looking for something for the kids, when I had my, when my daughter was about two years old, maybe even a little younger, maybe she was like, like almost two, she really couldn't swim, right? Or she couldn't swim. There was no really, she just couldn't swim. But she likes playing in the water. The problem with this, many parents know, is that a lot of times in the beaches, the waves make it just prohibitively difficult for the child to be in the water by themselves and just explore and have fun. Enter Le Galleon Beach, which is, once again, on the French side of the island. And this is a really cool place. And I've picked up on this, I think, on Cruise Critic, if I'm not mistaken. We went here. And basically, what it is is that it's a cove that's protected by a reef way out, you know, a couple hundred feet out. So what you have is it's basically like a pool. I mean, the water, there's barely any waves. Probably the only reason there are waves are because people or something is, you know, going in the water and, and just creating those kind of waves. It's very, very serene. There's nothing much to it. There's a dock or two, I think, as I recall. But it's not like you're going to be like, wow, this isn't great for kids that are older and want to go jump off stuff and things like that. But it is great if you have toddlers and just young children in general who maybe aren't the strongest swimmers, but you want to be able to feel like they can go in the water without you having to constantly be around them and they can enjoy it. So that's a great option as well. Now, to answer Garrett, some of Garrett's questions, I think this will play into a lot of what other people are talking about. What about other things to do besides the beach? Well, there's some other great things. First of all, St. Martin, back on the Dutch side, has a airport, which is actually very well known for a very odd reason. And you may have heard me talk about this on other podcast episodes, but it's basically Maho Beach. I know this said beach, but it's basically an airport right by the beach. And this beach exists. It's not, it's, it's a pretty mundane beach. Nothing really exciting about it, except airplanes take off and land right over the beach. It's a very, very cool thing. On any given day, there's about, I would say, anywhere from six to nine planes that are come in and out of the St. Martin Airport. Some are larger than others. Usually there's like one or two big jets and, you know, a couple of small planes. Nonetheless, it's a very cool experience. And if you're looking for something different, especially for adults, you go there, there's a there's a bar right on the beach so you can enjoy a couple of drinks. You don't have to go swimming, you just sit at the bar. And all of a sudden, every they have a schedule actually posted every day. You can see it, and you'll see everyone start to line up, and you can see the planes coming in. And the plane literally buzzes at the beach to the point where, I mean, you're, it's only a couple dozen feet off the ground. And it's a very cool experience. I think it's something worth seeing. Certainly, you see a couple airplanes, have a couple of drinks. What's wrong with that? And you have a beautiful view of the beach, so it's nice about that as well. Now, in addition, one of the best places to go shopping, Phillipsburg is a good place for shopping, but I think most people who are probably shopping experts might say that the French side offers better shopping, and that enters the capital of Marigot. And Marigot is a nice Caribbean city. It's French, obviously, a little more upscale than Phillipsburg, and it offers some of the better shopping that's available there on the island. So 
if you're looking for what I like to do is maybe is you combine the beach and the shopping experience. You know, you go to the you go shopping first, maybe have something to eat, and then go off to a beach somewhere, kind of do like a half and half kind of a day. There are a lot of tours that do this. In fact, most of the tours that you look at Royal Caribbean will probably tell you something along the lines of going shopping, eating somewhere, and then going to a beach and maybe a combination of the two somewhere in between. And I just think that one of the things that I've always done is done it on my own. I find that it's a better it's a better value, certainly, and there's a lot to see and do. Now, I have mentioned in some of the live blogs we've done, and I'm not sure if I mentioned on the podcast yet, but we use a driver called, his name is Leo Brown. I picked him up probably two or three trips ago, and ever since I've only gone back with him. He's a great driver, he's very inexpensive, and he basically spends the day with us, not only just taking us around the island, but really, it's not he's not just a driver. He's a guy who really takes pride in the island, and he also is like, he acts like a friend. I mean, he really looks out for us. He's not looking to just, okay, well, you know, how much money can I make off these gringos and just, you know, kind of that experience? No, no, no. Guy's one of the nicest men I've ever met in my life, and he is just genuinely concerned, I think, about our trip and making sure that we're going to have a good time. So he's been a great tour guide because he knows all these places, and what he did on our very first time is he took us to uh, Legallian Beach. We hung out there, but then we wanted something to eat. And kind of get a little, you know, and I told him, I said, I don't want to eat at, you know, stuff that the tourists eat. I want to eat real food. And he brought us to this restaurant that was on the, I believe it was on the Dutch side of the island. It was just some, it looked very nice, but, you know, you walked in and we were certainly the only tourists that were in there and a couple locals there. And they offered a lot of different dishes that the locals ate. It was a great experience. And you know what? It was a great, it was something that I would not have been able to do on my own because A, I probably would have never been able to find the place and B, certainly Leo has a good experience in there. So I definitely recommend checking out some of the local drivers. You don't have to necessarily get Leo himself, although I will provide his contact information if you're interested. You can just uh, email him, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. In fact, I'll post it on the show notes there on royalcaribbeanblog.com if you want to check it out. But there's lots of great drivers there and it's a great opportunity for you to explore the island. So in Garrett's case, I might say, you know what? Go for the local driver aspect. I think it's going to give you a lot for your money and it's going to be a good experience. Now, Leo charges, I believe for our family of four or three at the time. Sorry. I believe we just were charged something in the ballpark of like $80 for the whole day. So we got there whenever the ship dropped us off and we were there for up to maybe two, three hours before that we were supposed to get back on the ship. I mean, it was a very low amount. We, we tipped him graciously for that uh, above that, but the rates are usually pretty good. You shouldn't negotiate your rate though beforehand, regardless if you're going with Leo or someone else on the island. Just make sure you get your rate there and let them know what you're interested in. The more information you can give them, the better. I mean, tell them, say, look, I want to go to the beach. I want to go to the, uh, shopping all day. I want to go check out Marigold. I want to go check out somewhere else. Giving them the more information that you can is going to help them help you figure out the best way to spend your day. And I really feel like these drivers, especially on St. Martin, are really a, a good bunch and certainly ones that are looking to, you know, give you a good experience. And again, I think the value is pretty good, especially if you've got more than, I would say, three, four people and above, certainly beyond that. It's, it's a great value. So other things to do in St. Martin. If you're on the Dutch side, first of all, Phillipsburg has a great little boardwalk area. The boardwalk basically lines the inside of the bay. So if you're in Phillipsburg, walk towards the water, and you're going to find there's a nice little boardwalk area, which gives you a great view. And there's also some shops, some restaurants, lots of bars to check out. It's a great little walk. And if you want to go for a swim, it's you know an opportunity to just hop in, go in there. Most of the beaches are free. Of course, if you want to use like chairs or something like that, that might cost you extra. But just to hop in is a really cool thing. I really like the boardwalk. It's fun. It's cool. And there's lots of shopping to do, especially. Now, in addition to the shopping in the boardwalk area, you can walk more into Front Street, which is really the main drag there in Phillipsburg. Again, lots to see and buy there. Some of the better items probably to pick up, you know, are just things like uh, alcohol, 
cigars, whatever you're in the mood for. There's lots of different. I mean, again, this is a Dutch island, so you're going to have some influences from Holland there. So keep that in mind when you're looking for. The excursion that Garrett mentioned was the C and C tour, S E A and then S E E tour, SM94. And it's basically an opportunity to board a semi submarine to tour the underwater world and then explorer shop the French capital, Marigot. I haven't done actually one of these underwater boat rides or glass bottom boat things. It doesn't really appeal all that much to me, I'll be honest, but I do know a lot of people do enjoy these kinds of things. Plus it's kind of cool to be able to go out on the water a little bit, see what's underwater, see these fish, see some of the reefs, and of course get some narration involved. And of course you get to also explore Marigo. So I see from the website, at least of the recording of this podcast, that it's $49 for an adult, $32 for a child. Not a terrible price actually for considering that it's going to get you from the ship to the French side, allow you to not only go on a boat excursion, but also be able to go do some shopping. It's really not bad at all. Three hours and 30 minutes together. Again, nothing wrong with it. I don't think if you're really, I guess really you would do this if you're really interested in the submarine tour. It's called the semi-submarine. It means it doesn't go completely underwater, but you're underwater for, uh, if you're, if you want to, I guess. The, again, it depends what you're looking to do. And if you're not looking for the beach thing, this might be a good option for you as well. I think you might enjoy actually exploring the city. And there are some excursions that do have that ability to explore the city if you're not interested in doing a private tour. The first excursion is called the St. Martin Island Tour SM04. It's 25 bucks for an adult. And basically all it is is you get a narrated trip on both the Dutch and French sides of the island. It takes about two hours and 30 minutes to do the whole thing. But basically you go, you know, you drive from the port where you go on the Dutch side, drives you through the French side, kind of narrates the whole thing. You get an idea of what you can do. And, of course, your tour ends in Phillipsburg, where you can go back and do some shopping. And you also get 45 minutes of free time in Marigo as you do some browsing. So, again, for maybe for a first time, and again, you're dead set and not against the beaches. You don't want to do that. But you want to get a taste of everything. This might be a good tour. And at 25 bucks, I mean, it's, it's pretty cheap, especially if there's not that many people in your group. The other tour that they do offer is the Magical Highlight Sightseeing Tour, which is $90 for an adult and $65 for a child. It's four and a half hours, and it gives you a catamaran cruise for about an hour, time in about an hour again in Marigo, and then an island tour. So it's basically like a, basically it's a catamaran cruise and a tour of the island. It's expensive, $90, but of course you do get a catamaran, so if you're interested in that, maybe that might be a good option for you. And you do get a lot more time in Marigo. The thing is, if you're going to do the French or Dutch side, honestly, you need to do one or the other because the travel times between the two can be a little long, especially because you want to get back to your ship in time. So I would recommend, actually, if you want to do Marigot, if that's what you're interested in doing, go there right on the beginning. Just go straight there, get a taxi to bring you there, and then you know spend the day there. If you want to just do the Dutch side, stay on the Dutch side and kind of just do that there because, again, time is – you don't have a lot of time on the island, so you got to make the best of what you have there. So, Garrett, I think St. Martin is a great island and – you know, I'm gonna open this up to our listeners because I really value what all of you have to see and do and experience in this island. What do you find that's been really rewarding or really cool to do? Maybe it's a beach, maybe it's not a beach. What interests you in St. Martin? I'd love to hear your thoughts on great excursions in St. Martin. It's one of my favorite islands, as I think you can tell, and it's just so beautiful. So get a chance, go down there, and Garrett, let us know what you end up choosing because we would like to hear about that, especially uh, what worked and what didn't work for you. So thank you, Garrett.
Time to answer our listener emails, tweets, Facebook messages, voicemails, everything that comes my way that's from you. We're playing it or, or I'm reading it here. And of course, I want to thank all of you for being a part of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. You guys make it so much fun for me to do this each and every week. And it's fun to be able to share your experiences and your thoughts and read your questions right here because, again, this is your podcast. So let's get things started with Alyssa. On your recent Navigator the Seas cruise, I think you read in a review somewhere about a lot of country music. I don't think you cover that in the podcast. Can you tell me a little bit more about the music? Will my husband be miserable? And is the Park Cafe the same as the Oasis and Allure? Thanks so much for the blog and podcast. Well, the music plays more country western music because, again, the crowd was definitely older on our cruise. We definitely felt most of the youngest people on the ship. But the music was definitely more like, and again, I don't know very much country western music, but it was more like Hank Williams than it was Brad Paisley, if that makes any sense. They just played it a lot. You just notice it. It's kind of interesting because maybe because I'm just used to hearing, you know, pop music everywhere or what have you, or even rock music, but the music trivia was all country western music. The music you would hear in the ports, even the ports, they were playing this music again. They're trying to curtail to the people that are going there, hopefully buy their stuff. So when we were in various islands, I already distinctly remember we were in Roatan in Honduras, and this was a beachfront resort, very, very beautiful, and they were playing like Hank Williams and all this other music. I was like, wow, okay. And so you start to notice it more and more and more. And over the ship, you would hear the music, just as the ambient music playing in the background. It would be all sorts of country music. That's basically what it was. It doesn't bother me. I didn't really care all that much. I mean, the only thing I mean, really, I would say, was an issue, and again, this is really stretching it, was when I went to certain events at night, like we would go to a bar and they had live music playing. It would, they, Odds are they were playing country music. When they had the some of the events, like the Welcome Back event, they had a country band playing there. Again, it's not my kind of music, so I didn't really care for it all that much. And after a couple of days, you kind of start being like, okay, is there anything else that they can play here? So, again, not a huge deal, but worth mentioning. That's why I kind of mentioned that on there. So, it's on, again, unless you're just interested in only nightlife. And again, we went to the dance thing, one of the dance events that was late at night, and the DJ was only playing regular, say regular music, non-country music. In fact, somebody, I think, asked for a country song, and he said, no, I'm not playing that. So, there's that. The other thing was about the park cafe. Actually, sorry to tell you, it's not actually on Navigator of the Seas. I know that the initial reports or the stuff that Royal Caribbean put out there actually said that it was going to be on there. The park cafe was going to be there. It's not there. In fact, they did not go with that at all. So there is no park cafe, but you do have a lot of great restaurants. And honestly, I really felt like the restaurant lineup on Navigator of the Seas was amazing. Sabor, there'll be, I'm probably going to be repeating this for the next couple of years. It is my favorite restaurant on Navigator this season. You have to go check it out. They have such good food there. So, And of course, Cinco de Mayo was earlier this week, so it's, it all ties in together. So hopefully that helps you out. Thank you, Alyssa. Next email is from Tom and Diane Tronowski. Never listened to any of your podcasts before, Matt, but since we did our first consecutive cruise last year, took a listen while eating lunch and typing a business letter, podcast was perfect to listen in the background. First, you have a fabulous voice for doing this in both tone and personal tone as well. You come off as very friendly and outgoing and want to impart useful information to your listeners. You're very inviting in your approach, makes the listener want to both listen and join in. One thing you might work on, you you talk way, way too fast. Your cadence for whatever is rushed, not rushed like a car commercial where they speed through the terms in the last 12 seconds, but rushed nonetheless. If the cadence was better, you'd be a great DJ. Maybe you already embarked on that path. <laughs> Thank you. I've heard that many times, actually, that I talk too fast. And I apologize. I, I try to talk as slow as I can. It's just my natural means. Anyway, but Tom and Diane actually have some other messages here. Group Q&A. Royal Caribbean does a pre-question and answer with drinks and hors d'oeuvres on the second to last day of the first cruise. Ours was held in the Viking Crown Lounge. This is great for three reasons. You get a point of contact, the hotel management. 
for the second week who conducts this question and answer. So if any concerns in the second week, you can contact that person. Second, you get to meet all the other back-to-back cruisers, and if it works out to get to know them, meet up the second week for drinks or whatever else you're wanting to do. Great fun, and we learned from those who had done this more than once. Third, they make sure all the paperwork is in working order. This is key when they escort you off the ship, go through customs. If I is not dotted and T is not crossed, you don't get back on the ship. One person in our group had a misplaced passport, so Royal Caribbean helped facilitate this. Same entertainment concern, not really an issue. There's enough variation on each ship, even the vision class, to kind of do the normal things you would do on a one-week cruise. Then the second week, you explore and get out of your comfort zone and do new events, try new foods and entertainment activities, etc. Kind of like experiencing a whole new ship. Back-to-back ahead of time, yes, this is the best. If you want to go, get to the pool or anything else, as long as it's been cleaned and turned around for the second cruise, it's all to yourself. Very fun. And lastly, stateroom change. We opted to just change our rooms and glad we did. We experienced two ends of the ship and two different levels, low and high deck, as well as an upgrade to a junior suite our second week. This is key. Get to know somebody in hospitality or at the front desk the first week. Treat them nice, you know, wink, wink, little treat, greenback, compliment, whatever. Let them know you're a back-to-back cruiser and you'd like to experience something different, code word, upgrade, for second week. No guarantees, but you never know. And in any event, our stateroom attendant the second week was hands down above first week, so it made it very enjoyable. Actually, the packing was a little effort. The stateroom attendants help you. For example, they brought carts and rolling clothes racks. Hang and stack away we went. Even though they said, don't worry about tagging bags, we did anyway. You never know. You don't want to lose anything. Tom, this is great. Thank you so much for sharing the back-to-back cruises. That sounds great. And it's also good to hear also that the entertainment's not an issue. And if you have to change rooms, again, not an issue. Back-to-back cruises, I really feel, are such a fun thing to do. If you have the time and you have the money to do it, it's the way to cruise. And, you know, I was really thinking, would I rather do a back-to-back cruise, and that'd be my only cruise for the year, or two cruises, like, you know, one cruise in the beginning of the year, one cruise in the end of the year? It's really tough because back-to-back cruises really let you feel like not only you're on vacation, but you really get to experience, you know, what the ship has to offer. I think that's a big deal for a lot of people. It's really the way to, to see a Royal Caribbean ship. Next is an email from Stephanie Ozine. I'm a longtime listener to WGW Today, and I've just started on the beginning of the Royal Caribbean blog podcast. My family and I took our first ever cruise last May on Radiance of the Seas to Alaska. I have a show request. Can you do a show about cruising when you're a family of five? I know with Disney, there's lots of rooms for five on board, and you can find them on the website. But with Royal Caribbean, it seems like you need a travel agent to find these rooms. Or maybe I'm doing it wrong. Aside from finding rooms at that fit five, I thought about getting one balcony across from an inside cabin. Sounds like a travel agent would be needed again. Any tips and tricks for family of this size? Actually, I have a great blog post. I'm going to link to you, Stephanie, in the royalcaribbeanblog.com show notes that actually has all about the various options for families. It's kind of like a how-to article or or the best cabin category, basically. And it's going to give you a whole breakdown of the various cabins that exist. Four families, that is. The real key you're looking for are cabins that have the name family. When they have the word family in there, that basically means they have a lot more space to accommodate more than four people. Unless you're going up to a suite, in which case then you can afford a lot more and you can get a lot more space. You don't have to worry so much about that. But if you are looking for the cabins that have more than uh, four people, so basically five in your case, really there's a lot of family different – you'll see in this article I mentioned Family Ocean View Stateroom, Family Interior Stateroom, Royal Family Suite. These are all kinds of – suites that are available or in different staterooms, in fact, not just suites, that can accommodate more than four people, and it might be great. In fact, when we were on Navigator this season, we did a family ocean view stateroom. It was it was huge. It was immense. I mean, we only had three people in our room, but it's really designed for five to six people. So there are options out there, and certainly a travel agent would definitely help you. I, I think travel agents in general help you. You only stand to benefit from them, and it costs you absolutely nothing to use. So to me, it's like, why not? 
The other thing you should consider also is the two-state room option, which is always the fallback option. You know that from the Valley Resorts at Walt Disney World. Is when all else fails, you get two different rooms. You can get them connecting. You can get them just near each other. Whatever, you know, maybe if you have older kids, you can have a little more separation. If you want younger kids, you basically get the connecting rooms. And that way, you can, and by connecting, it means adjoining. You know, they can actually go between each other without going to the hallway. And that way, you can basically have like a, it's a suite, essentially. There's a common doorway, and you can be together through most of the waking hours of the day. So I'll put a link in there. Also, Stephanie wants to know, I homeschool my kids, so we travel anytime deals are good, and there are a lot of destinations we consider when the prices are low. When I hear cruise rates advertised, I don't know how to scale those for cabins that fit five. Is there any rule of thumb, even one that's not very good, to figure out if a particular deal is worth calling the agent about? Are the rooms of five usually double the rate quoted for an inside cabin, for example, or some other multiple? I know this is a tough question, but given how much trouble I've had finding a family of five room in the first place, it'd be awesome if I had a ballpark idea just to identify which cruise deals I should follow up with. You know, that's a a really good question. The short answer is you can't just double because you get charged the most for the first two people in your stateroom. After that, when you get to people three, four, and even you get to five or six, it's actually less money because... The, the, the Royal Caribbean is most concerned with double occupancy. Beyond that, if you want to, they figure if you want to slam people into this room and then just squeeze them in, it, this can be a reduced rate. So when, so when I cruise with my daughters, me and my wife, my daughter, so me and my wife pay usually the, the bulk of the fee. And then the third person in my daughter's case is usually not a whole lot. It wouldn't be, it would be, it would still be less money if I brought, I don't know, me, my wife and my best friend or something like that. And we all decided to cram into one room together. The third and fourth and subsequent people pay less in the grand scheme of things. So it is worth considering. Again, travel agents the way to go. When you're talking about the rates that are available out there, I mean, it's just, there's not really a hard and steady like, oh, you could always double the price or something like that. Because again, I think what you're going to be finding is you're going to be looking at these family staterooms, which are never usually advertised per se, but you can find great deals. Again, remember that family ocean view stateroom I mentioned earlier on Navigator this Seas? That was a great deal. We got paid that like... I forgot the amount. It wasn't very much money. I think for a seven night cruise, it was like two thousand something dollars for the week, which isn't bad, really. So keep that in mind. And I promise you that there are great options out there for you and your family, especially in the newer ships. The newer ships have more room for families because they're built on that. The older ships, by newer I mean anything pretty much Freedom, Oasis, Quantum, even Voyager class. Because let's not forget that one. So any of those four, four, yeah, four classes of ships are going to be a great choice for you. And I think they're going to have the better options as opposed to the vision class or, you know, some of the other classes that are out there. So keep that in mind. And our last email is from our good friend, Christopher Percy writes, great job on the podcast about cruising with women. And Annette is certainly a fun lady. My wife agrees with everything she said from not having to worry about what to make for dinner, a big one to the spa treatments, shopping, and of course, just relaxing and enjoying the whole cruise experience. Thank you, Christopher. I really appreciate that. And you know what? I appreciate hearing from all of you. I love reading these emails. I love just talking real creepy with all of you. Isn't that fun? Because, you know, you're in the regular world. You go out there and be like, hey, I'm taking a cruise on Royal Caribbean. And they're like, oh, great. Okay. Well, what, what's for, you know... Most people don't care, unfortunately, but we do. We love talking about it, and that's what I love about this podcast is that we get that opportunity to share and indulge in our Royal Caribbean fandom and, and kind of just have an opportunity to really talk shop. So thank you so much for this, and of course, we want to hear from you. So if you have a question, a comment, again, you don't have to have just I – mean, questions are great. I love answering them. But if you have comments, if something that's going on in the news with Royal Caribbean – you know, is a, is a topic you think it's worth bringing up? Bring it up. Tell me something. You know, what, what's your thoughts on how the company is changing? Because as you all know, boy, things are changing quite a bit these days with the Royal Caribbean. So if you want to tweet us, we are at the RCL blog on Twitter. 
Facebook. We are facebook.com slash Royal Caribbean blog. You can, of course, email us, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com, or call the Royal Caribbean blog voicemail by calling 408-6-ROYAL-6. That's 408-676-9256. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.